I'm Jody Nisnik, and you're listening to So Much More. John 16, 12, Jesus stated, there is so much more I want to tell you. He then pointed to the spirit as the one who would come, who would further his teaching by bringing his word to life for us. So much more creates space for God to reveal his truth through his word. Today, I'm excited to have Laura Murray with me as we have a conversation around the spiritual discipline of silence and solitude. Laura has served on the pastoral staff at a large church until the Lord called her into a new ministry of helping other ministry leaders find healthy and restorative rhythms for their relationship with the Lord. She's also a spiritual director, a coach, a speaker, and an author, and she leads silent retreats, which we're going to talk about. So welcome, Laura. I am so delighted to get to have this conversation with you today. Oh, me too, Jody. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah. Well, I want to start a little bit with kind of your ministry story and mm-hmm. how you started to recognize you needed some different spiritual practices mm-hmm. just to be healthy in your relationship with the Lord and probably the people around you too, I would imagine. But tell us mm-hmm. a little bit about that backstory. Yeah. Thanks for asking. You know, it's interesting as I started thinking about that, I realized it goes all the way back to college and to a time in my life when I was going through a really dry season. And I don't know if you would call it a wilderness or dry season. It just nothing that I was doing in my relationship with God was quote unquote working. Um, I didn't feel his nearness. I didn't um, sense his presence. And I remember talking to a ministry leader of a ministry I was involved in and she meant well, um, but she's like, well, are, are you not praying? Like, are you not reading your Bible? Are you like, so she, I'm like, none of those things are doing anything for me. Mm-hmm. And not that the spiritual practices are meant to do something for us, um, but they are an opportunity for us to connect with God. There are ways that we connect with God. And so when you're trying these different things that you've done in the past that have helped you connect with God and you're not connecting with God, you start to wonder, okay, what's, what's happening? What's going on? Like why? And, um, and I knew it wasn't a matter of me trying harder. It just wasn't happening. And mm-hmm. so I just, I kind of mm-hmm. didn't know what to do. Uh, Cause again, these practices weren't working in regards to trying to connect with God. Yeah. Well, and I think a lot of times those practices are very achievement oriented, Mm. right? So, okay, I'm going to check my box. I prayed this much and Mm -hmm. I read this much of the Bible or I completed Mm -hmm. this chapter of my Bible study or I, and so it is, and for someone like me who is kind of wired as that type A achiever person, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it can become just a place to check boxes and not actually a, a, a soul deep spiritual mm-hmm. level place to mm-hmm. connect with God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what did you do about it? Yeah. On, honestly, I, I kind of had to wait it out. Um, it was one of those things that I just had to recognize and talk to people about and trust that my relationship with God wasn't necessarily wrong or disconnected. It was just this season that I was in. And so I kept 
talking to God, uh, but just kind of going, okay, this isn't, you know, I'm not receiving back what, uh, what he, what I had had in the past of connecting with him. And so it, it's interesting. I kind of just had to let it pass. And I kind of had to really, it, it, what that season taught me is that one of the things it t- taught me was I am not in charge of my spiritual life. Like, yes, there are things that I can do to open myself up to God, but I don't lead it. Hmm. Like I don't initiate it like that. It's really God who initiates it. So in that time I had to go, okay, God, I'm trusting that you're in this, even though I don't feel it. I'm trusting that you're with me, even though these other things aren't connecting me to you. And so I had to wait and I had friends around me and I was in community. So those things remained. And that's also a practice, right? To be able to stay in community in different ways. But I had to let that feeling of disconnect and that feeling of dryness, I had to let it be and I had to let it pass. And it really made me uh, start to realize that there are spiritual practices in which I don't initiate. Mm. There are spiritual practices that I don't um, start or your words, Jody, achieve. And so that really started me kind of exploring, okay, what are the ways that I open myself up to God without doing, um, which we may get into this at some point, but really the difference between uh, active spiritual practices and receiving spiritual practices. Mm-hmm. Um, and most of us are, are um, learned and have been told in the active ones, which aren't bad, they're good. But there are a lot of receiving spiritual practices that we take a, I don't want to say a passive approach because we're still doing them. We're still a part of them that we're primarily receiving rather than achieving. Yeah. Well, let's go ahead and talk about that for a second, because I do think, you know, one of the things that you said is there's things that where you're not initiating or you're not starting it, but what you are doing is you're still opening yourself up. You're Mm -hmm. showing up. So there is Mm -hmm. something you're doing, Mm -hmm. especially when we talk about silence and solitude. Yes. We're still creating the space. We're kind of disciplining ourselves to stay in a place of receptivity and not, you know, working to do something or talking at God all the time or all of those things. So tell us a little bit more. What are some of those other practices of receiving? Yes. So you're right. There are things that you're still doing. We're still showing up. We're choosing um, to be in that. The practices are receiving. A lot of them are very quiet practices. Um, they are listening practices and they are things like centering prayer mm-hmm. where we don't have a lot of words, but that we meditate and refocus on one truth of who God is, one um, scripture or something of his character. Mm-hmm. And in that practice, we spend a certain amount of time, just a small amount of time uh, just recentering our thoughts because mm-hmm. the thing that comes up in solitude and silence is all of our thoughts. <laughs> That's the thing is like you're bombarded. You want to practice solitude and silence, but you're bombarded with thoughts, um, oh, yeah. not only outside things, but on the inside. And so centering prayer is one of receiving because all you're doing is going, okay, anytime a distracting thought comes, I'm going to recenter myself on a truth of who God is. So say God is love that, mm-hmm. that he loves me. Mm-hmm. So we, you mm-hmm. refocus on the word love. So yes, you're doing something, but you're not achieving something. You're not checking something off the list necessarily. And you are not in charge of the outcome. 
Mm. I think sometimes in the ones that are more active that we work really hard and we expect an outcome and we do see fruit and that's wonderful um, Mm -hmm. from that practice. But a lot of these practices of receiving like solitude and silence or centering prayer, there's not always a result immediately. There's not always a fruit immediately. And sometimes that's hard for us because we want to know that what we're doing is either right or working or, I don't know, we have this mindset that uh, we want it to produce something in, in a certain time frame. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I, I, I want to hear from the Lord. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want to feel yeah. like the time that I have spent with him, we've had an, a conversation. Um, uh-huh. and, and I know, I mean, we all move through those seasons that you were talking about just a few minutes ago that just feel dry mm-hmm. and he feels silent and, mm-hmm. you know, whether you want to call it a dark night of the soul or just a season of, of God's silence or, mm-hmm. Um, and it's probably a combination of a lot of things that are happening, but continuing to show up and continuing to be faithful and continuing to feed ourselves truth, mm-hmm. make space for practices is really hard in those seasons, but mm-hmm. so necessary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and, and, and then you, they are hard seasons. And I will add from some of the um, saints that have gone before us and people who have studied things, they recognize that sometimes those wilderness seasons are actually times of transition. And they are times of deepening in our spiritual life. So that wilderness is actually not a sign of disobedience or it's a sign that you're doing something wrong. Now we do want to make sure that there is not sin or things that you're blatantly doing, right? Um, that you're, you're stepping into, but that they are just seasons, um, that are actually opportunity for deepening. And one, one, um, person relates it to when you think about a relationship with a significant other or someone, the more and more you grow in depth and trust, the more and more you can actually sit in silence with them. Mm. Like you can sit in the same room and have your heart still knit together and be aware of one another, but you not be speaking to one another. Mm. But in the beginning of a relationship, you know, you're, you're talking, you're chatting, you're, you know, all that. And so, so I would encourage people in those wilderness seasons to maybe look at them with curiosity and just hold them open and say, okay, God, what do you want me to receive? And whenever you bring that or whatever you bring, Mm -hmm. I will receive it. Um, But to, to, to wait for that. So beautiful because what that actually, even just your words and saying that created a sense of peace and calm Mm. inside of me, instead of the feeling of anxiety, where are you God? Why, why can't I, what's Mm -hmm. going on? Why don't I hear from you? Instead of, mm-hmm. and, and I even just love how you said to the saints that have gone before us point out that a season of wilderness, a season that feels that where God feels quiet does not mean you have done something wrong. Mm-hmm. It may be that God is preparing us for something. Mm-hmm. It may be that we're in a season of waiting and we can look all through scripture to see mm-hmm. so many people that waited. Joseph's story immediately pops into he- mm-hmm. my mind. You know, he, waits in prison for two years. Mm-hmm. And it's actually longer than two years if you look at the scriptures, but he's forgotten mm. for two full years. Mm. And I can only imagine that that felt very confusing mm-hmm. in that season. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but when it was the right time, God started moving and orchestrating things in a very rapid fashion mm-hmm. um, when the time was right. So mm-hmm. uh, such mm-hmm. a good reminder. Mm. Well, let's talk a little bit about silence and solitude. Mm-hmm. 
It is one of those practices that I think we resist more than others. Mm. And maybe I should just speak for myself. Um, because we live in a, in a world. And so, okay, I already confess that I'm an achiever, but we <laughs> live in an achieving world mm-hmm, too. Mm-hmm. And so to just create space to do nothing mm-hmm. is really, first of all, it's, it cuts against the grain of our world, mm-hmm. but it, it is also just hard because it doesn't feel like you mm-hmm. are doing anything or you're accomplishing mm-hmm. anything. So I just think there's a lot of resistance that comes up. Mm-hmm with silence and solitude. So let's mm-hmm. start there. What what are some of your responses to resistance that maybe you've yeah. interacted with or you've encouraged and coached people through? Mm-hmm. First of all, um, resistance is normal. So expect it. Mm. Like it will come up. You will resist because we have been training ourselves to be productive. Um, we have been, the world values that and tells us to be productive. And even the church tells us to be productive to, uh, for movement. And so all those values are there. So we have those realities happening. And so there is resistance and there will be. So once we can say, okay, it's going to happen. I don't know what form it'll come in, but it's going to happen. That's helpful to just normalize mm. it and say it's there. Um, and there is a piece of it that we do need to take responsibility and ownership, right? Of going, okay, in what ways am I contributing to it? Or am I, uh, helping resistance or feeding it? And so there is that piece as well. And I think as well that we, um, especially as adults, we, um, have forgotten what it is to be learners because we're told that you should be able to master something right away, especially, Mm. you know, if you're told, Oh, I'm a mature Christian. I've been a Christian for a long time. Well, spiritual practices are just that they are practices. Mm -hmm. So if you think about when you pick up a new workout, right. Or if you start doing something new, like you, your body is going to go, what are you doing to me? I am sore. Like, I don't know how to move in this way. Right. But if you stay with that new exercise for long enough, after a while, your body will go, okay, this is what we're doing. Okay. Like in, in your body will go, okay, this is what we're doing. I've I've gotten used to it, but you're a learner. You're not going to master it. And your body's going to let you know, like, yeah, I've not mastered this new, you know, weightlifting or whatever it is. (laughs) And it's the same thing with spiritual practices and to allow yourself to be a learner. And so with solitude and silence, recognizing there will be resistance. And the second thing I would say is starting slow, Mm. right? You don't need to take an eight hour silent retreat the first time you're entering into solitude and silence. Right. It's like saying, I have not run in five years, but I'm going to go run a marathon. Like that's just ridiculous. <laughs> like we would tell somebody that's ridiculous. So don't do that. You know, yeah. um, start slow and, um, maybe start with 10 minutes a day. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. you know, for, you know, every other day or start slow. And the other thing that I would say, which sounds contradictory, but it's not, but it's, is that you don't start alone. Mm-hmm. So yes, solitude and silence on your own. But do that with a friend. Just say, hey, we're going to try this together. We're going to talk about what it was like. Try it with your small group. Mm. Um, do it with others so that you can come back and say, what was that like? Or what did you go through? Or what? And to be able to know that you're not alone. And again, kind of the comparative to the working out, 
Like it is a lot easier to try new things and to stay at new things when you're doing them with someone, whether it's a coach or a trainer or with a group of people, right? That encourages. And so just the value of community, even in this like solitude and silence practice, which is solitary, um, is so valuable. So I would say that um, start slow, don't do it alone and expect that resistance. That's so good. Those are great tips. Tell me a little bit about what do you do and not do when you're taking a time of solitude and silence? Yeah. Well, just practically speaking, um, I let people know that I'm unavailable. I mean, that just sounds really, but tell your family. Super nope, smart. I will not, I will not answer any questions. I will not respond. Take off your, um, watch that buzzes at you <laughs> um, turn off your phone. And um, I also will tell myself, I, I, you don't have to be still mm. if you don't want to be, um, you can go and be outside. You can go for a walk. My encouragement would, would be is to check that need to achieve. So don't say, Hey, I'm going to get my workout in along with my, you know, whatever, like, don't like, if you pull achievement into it, you kind of, <laughs> you know, a little bit counterproductive. Are you, are you talking to me? Yeah. Laura? <laughs> no, no, not at all. <laughs> um, and so, um, so those are just some practical things of, uh, of just letting people know and then setting a time to do it. I would say the other thing is, uh, that sometimes it's helpful for me to have some type of other practice or a guide. So solitude and silence can really, it can be a container uh, for other practices. So like I mentioned, centering prayer before, or even scripture meditation. Um, I would encourage probably not doing like study something heavy on words, but let's say there's been a verse that's been echoing for the past two or three weeks. Well, just let that verse kind of play around in your head and just mm. get curious with God about it and ask him about it and, and see what happens. I would say also that, um, to enjoy it. Mm. I mean, it's a gift to be able to enjoy the quiet, um, to not have to solve problems. Um, we are wired to in our culture and, and like solve this problem, take care of this to do that. And that's real practical. Um, the other thing that I would say is that uh, noises will come. So somebody will start a lawnmower or a dog will bark, things like that. Just let those pass. And uh, when the internal noise rises up, it's going to be really tempting to abandon it. Mm. To say, I have failed. I can't quiet my head. But again, that resistance is it's silence and solitude gets noisier before it gets quieter. Mm. And so to allow that noise to pass. And one of those ways is centering prayer. One of those ways is scripture meditation, just recentering your mind on something. Yeah. God. I read one time um, in a book by James Brian Smith that he, he called it thought monkeys, that the thought monkeys just come out of the woodwork at us. And it is so true. As soon as you sit down to just try and be present with God in whatever way that is, I mean, all kinds of random things. Like I'm thinking about things that I need to go get from the attic. I mean, like it's it's insane what kind of stuff feels so incredibly urgent (laughs) to me in that moment. And I'm like, what in the world? Like I haven't thought about that for 10 years and I have to do it right now, you know? Yeah. Um, 
So I, I have experienced that and it's helpful for me. Sometimes I'll, I'll write it down just on a yeah. piece of paper, just, yeah. just a little note. I'll go back to them and look at them. Not one of those things actually needs to happen. <laughs> um, so, but do you, do you journal? Do you pray? Do, what does mm-hmm. that look like? What kind, what's kind of the internal conversation in your head? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's funny. I, I don't, I don't know that I expect that there's an internal conversation. Um, so if somebody wants to journal to get things out of their head, that's fine. If somebody, it, just whatever it takes for the noise to settle. And you can learn that after practice. You'll be like, oh, this is what helps my mind settle. Um, and I've learned that I love the outdoors. When we have this, I'm looking outside. We have this huge, beautiful tree outside. And for me to sit under the grandness of something and underneath it kind of helps me to settle. So there are different things that help different people settle and get those thoughts, just letting the thought pass, um, whatever those things. So just, I would say experiment with some things and just kind of say, what would help this pass? Is your end goal to really, um, just kind of stop the process of thinking and talking in your mind so that you can just hear from God or be present with God. I mean, what's the, what, what are you, what are you trying to, <laughs> I want to say achieve, but that's a really bad you are, word when we're talking about this. But Jody, you already said end goal. So I was chuckling. <laughs> oh, you were, you were going to call me out anyway. I know, but I'm we just, all do it, right? Are we, uh, okay, but <laughs> to have a successful, see, I can't, I cannot, <laughs> I can't stop doing it. <laughs> Are you, but is there, is the purpose to really just get to a place of settledness in our heart, our mind and our soul? So we're not churning. Yeah. Um, I mean, cause I've even been told really it's, I mean, when I pray, I got a lot of things to talk to God about mm-hmm. and it's actually setting even that aside, mm-hmm. just, mm-hmm. just working on being present and letting, mm-hmm. you know, letting God kind of have the agenda for the time instead of me have the agenda for the time. Yeah. And, and that is, that is it that, that, um, I would say that the hope for me is that in that time, what happens is that the distractions move away. I get settled enough so that actually the things that are deep within me, God raises up. Mm. And that the thing that God wants me to hear then touches the thing that comes up in me. And so for me, it is about connecting with God, intimacy with God, and that his heart and what he wants me to hear and what my heart needs to hear, they connect and that we hear. So if that's my hope, it doesn't always happen. Yeah. But that's my hope because there is something deep within that needs to come up. Mm. And there is something that he wants me to hear or know or experience about who he is. And that is my hope. Again, Mm. doesn't always happen, but when it does, it's beautiful. And like you said, God moves quick sometimes Mm. and he does Mm. it in an instant. And so I would say that is the preciousness. That's the sweetness. Yeah. And it takes a lot. It's funny. It takes time to get there. Yeah. And a lot of the time is letting things settle. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, the passage that we meditated on to kind of prepare for this conversation was out of first Corinthians uh, chapter two, mm-hmm. and we could have done a lot of verses from that, that um, passage, but to keep it short and to keep it something we can meditate on, I chose to just read over us verses 12 through 14. Mm-hmm. And I, I'll just read them real quick. So we're reminded of them. And then I'd love for you just to share why that passage was important to you, because mm-hmm. we had talked about this being kind of the springboard to launch us into this conversation. Mm-hmm. So it says this, what we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God so that we may understand what God mm-hmm. has freely given us. This mm-hmm. is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, mm-hmm. but in words taught by the spirit, mm-hmm. explaining spiritual realities with spirit taught mm-hmm. words. Mm-hmm. The person without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God, but considers them foolishness mm-hmm. and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the spirit. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. we can unpack that passage for a really mm-hmm. long time, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. tell me, tell me why that kind of hits at the heart for you. As you read that, I was reminded that those deep things that come up that God says that is deep within, Mm. like only the spirit of God can speak to. Yeah. And we need God to meet us there. We need God to meet us in with his words and also his presence. And a lot of times getting down to that place, I mean, that's the treasure right? That that getting to that place of our heart in the truest sense and God's heart meeting is a treasure. So it is not surprising to me that there is resistance. It is is not surprising to me that there are things that get in the way of that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we need God to speak to that part of us Mm -hmm. because the world's going to give us all of its ideas. That's right. um, And we need to get clear on what our heart is holding so that we can actually hear them what God clearly wants to say. Yeah. And um, because we'll, we'll try to, we'll try to solve it with a bunch of other things. Um, but it, it and I would, I even want to say like in those moments, I don't know if you've ever tried to explain to somebody like what this, what your encounter with God was like when it was a beautiful moment, like you can't capture it, right? Like you can't capture it with words. You can't capture it with music. You can't capture it. And so it's in those moments that are really sweet that, God speaks to us and that we're like, we can't really repeat this, but we are really confident of this because of how he met us. Mm. And so it is those moments, I think that strengthen us for what we're called to do when it looks maybe crazy, or it seems like foolishness, but God's Mm -hmm. like, Nope, this is what I called you to do. So you lead some silent retreats, which I'm Mm -hmm. super excited about, (laughs) um, because I think you're giving some guidance and direction mm-hmm. and providing that opportunity for community, which is what you just said. Mm-hmm. It's a lot easier to do it as a group or do it when there's some sort of um, accountability ish or, but people that are mm-hmm. encouraging you and having mm-hmm. the similar experiences. So mm-hmm. tell me about the silent retreats. What, it, how mm-hmm. do you do that? And yeah, mm-hmm. just, so just tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I'd love to. Well, um, they started in the at the beginning of the pandemic um, when I I was trying to figure out how to connect with God and I was having a hard time personally. It's like, I, how do I connect with God? I don't, there's, there's so much going around us. And I thought if I'm having a hard time, maybe others are as well. And so 
I created these spaces that people uh, come and they sign up for these, I call them digital silent retreats uh, because they're part on Zoom and they're part in solitude and silence. And people will sign up and we have a cap for how many people are allowed in just to keep the community small. And they come in with um, just as they are from wherever they are across the country or even the world. And we meet together, we welcome, we introduce, um, I will have a theme for the retreat and I have a retreat guide for them. And that guide has different spiritual practices for them within their solitude and silence. Mm. They don't have to complete it, um, but it's there for them. And really the hope is that in that solitude and silence, they would encounter and meet with God. Um, that's, that's the hope. And that was the goal really when I started it. So in that first 30 minutes, we say, hi, welcome them and give them guidelines, such as I mentioned earlier, like tell people that you're not available, turn off notifications, <laughs> all those things. And then they go off for an hour and a half off of zoom their way, um, wherever they want to go with this guide that's printed with these different spiritual practices. And they spend time with God and they do it in different ways. Um, but that's their solitude and silence for an hour and a half. And then they come back online uh, and we meet as a community for an hour. And these could be people that don't know each other. Most of them don't. Some of them might have connected. Some of them see each other on retreats, uh, but they each get a chance to share how God mm. met them on retreat and to be able to, in some ways, um, tell that part of their story. Uh, tell in, you know, we don't use this word a lot, <laughs> but really testimony of how God met them. Yeah. And what has been fascinating to me is I thought the hour and a half would be the gold and it is, it is gold. I mean, it's good, but this last hour of community and connecting and sharing has been amazing. Mm. People are sharing how God met them. And then another person will say, okay, God met me in this way. And then another person will say, because you shared that, that gives me courage to tell you what happened in mine. And so it's fascinating. Um, and what's been beautiful too, is that they're like, I was really frustrated or this was a really great thing or God, or, or some, some respond with tears. I mean, they respond in all these different ways. And what it does is it shows each other, Hey, th this happens in different ways. God shows mm -hmm. up in different ways and God meets us in different ways. And that let's come again and try this again in a month. That's and good. so it's been a sweet, um, just a sweet opportunity to be able to, to minister and hold space uh, for people and really provide that place of, of guidance because solitude and silence or other spiritual practices can be kind of intimidating or kind of like, what do I do when I first start them? Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that. And even just normalizing the experience and hearing other people yeah. were frustrated or <laughs> experienced resistance and um, so yeah, what a beautiful model. And I'm going to put a link to your retreat. Your retreats are actually free and you, mm -hmm. I mean, your ministry is supported by donation. So mm -hmm. obviously we hope that people would make a donation <laughs> once they attend, but, but costs shouldn't stand in the way. And I love that right. also. So I love your right. heart for that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Laura, this has been such a great conversation. Thank you for making space to just help us get a glimpse into silence and solitude and just encouraging us to practice it and try it. And mm -hmm. so thank you. Wow. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Well, friends, like I said, I'll put all of those links in the show notes. So I do hope that you will check out the silent retreats with Laura and you can find her online and all of those things. 
And as always, I do just want to thank you one more time for joining us on So Much More because we really do believe Jesus has so much more to say to us. And this is one way we're creating space to listen. Have you ever attempted to read the entire Bible? Did you do it, or did you only make it part way? I'm John Stonge, and I host a podcast that will make it possible for you to make it through the entire Bible, one chapter at a time. I've been hosting the Chapter a Day Audio Bible Podcast since 2015, and every single day of the week, I read one chapter of Scripture, then follow that up with a time of prayer. And if you're looking for daily insights and inspiration directly from God's Word, I hope you'll give the Chapter a Day Audio Bible a listen. You can find it at lifeaudio.com or on your favorite podcasting app.